Sound Design. Live. So the business is really taken off pretty well. I think the demand is is very high. Sound Design. Live. Sound Design Live is produced independently by me, Nathan Lively, in Oakland, California. Welcome to Sound Design Live. I'm Nathan Lively, and today I'm talking with Craig Hewitt from Podcast Motor. Craig, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I definitely want to talk about podcasting as a service and, you know, podcasting in general. But first of all, what is your favorite podcast theme song? It would have to be my own. We have a, uh, so that's, that's very self-serving. So we have a very cool kind of jazz bluesy intro that plays for uh, one of my podcasts. It's called the Rogue Startups Podcast. It's all about sort of online business and uh, software entrepreneurship. And it's just a real catchy, upbeat jazz song. Yeah. Oh, cool. Where'd you get that? Uh, I got it from Jewelbeat, jewelbeat.com. They have uh, some pretty sweet, like $2 royalty-free music you can buy. So, Craig, the sound engineers in my audience have a lot of experience already in recording, editing, and mixing audio for a lot of different kinds of stuff, but I want them to walk away from this conversation with a better idea of what's involved in podcast production so that they can be ready if someone asks them for it and so they can consider it for, I don't know, potentially some of their marketing efforts. Does that sound good? Sure, yep. Cool. So, for your business, Podcast Motor, you offer complete podcast production services. So, what does that mean? Could you walk us through a project from your first meeting with a client to delivering them the final product? Yeah, for sure. So, the goal of of Podcast Motor is to help busy business owners or or online business, I guess it doesn't have to be online, just to help business owners that have a podcast as part of their personal brand or as part of their marketing efforts to more easily get a show out every week or every day like they want to. And so you you know as well as anyone the the pain and the time that goes into editing not just the content but the audio quality of a show. And for me doing this work, it takes a couple of hours uh, for an hour of raw audio. And so you think about someone who, who values their time at $100 an hour uh, that's probably not their best use of time. And so the goal of Podcast Motor is to take that off their plate by doing everything from the time they hit stop on a recording until a podcast episode goes live. So the way it works is we do, uh, you know, so you record an episode, you'll upload it into Dropbox, shoot me an email and say, okay, episode 15 with this person, the title is going to be this. I want it published on Thursday. And we'll take it from there. We'll download it. We'll do all the editing, audio engineering. Uh, we'll write show notes with links and contact information if there's a guest for your show. We'll uh, upload it to a media host like Libsyn or SoundCloud. And we will uh, create a WordPress post to syndicate it. And uh, we do everything that you would do for a podcast to get it out the door. Okay. And then you just return the final file to them, edited, mixed, and then... The- or no, you're actually you're uploading that to the host for them. So once they give you their original raw files, the work for them is done potentially. Yep. Okay. Exactly. They don't ever see it again until it goes live on their site. 
Talking about the demand for podcasting and podcast production in general, I'm sure a lot of, like I mentioned, the sound engineers listening right now would like to know if it's worthwhile to get into podcast production. Not that it would be technically more challenging than the other things that they work on, but just from a business and marketing perspective, have you seen a good return on putting your efforts into podcasting? And also along with that, if you were to start over again today, what would you do differently? Yeah, so so the business is really taken off pretty well. I have to say, uh, I think the demand is is very high. If you can look at Podcast Motor or other services like it that we can tell have you know in the dozens of clients each, and there's say a dozen of those maybe uh, that that's a couple hundred shows maybe right there with another hundred out there probably that are just coming into monetizing their show. And that's really kind of where the rubber meets the road for something like a a podcast production service is someone who isn't either making money directly or indirectly from their show can't perceive the value back from outsourcing podcast production. They would just do it themselves. But if they're either directly monetizing their podcast through advertisements or selling products associated with their show, or if it's really sustaining their business and they're using it as a marketing channel, then then they can justify it as a good business uh, expense. But I mean, directly for the people in your audience who are, are sound engineers, we have a team of three uh, freelancers that work with us, and uh, they are doing at least a couple of shows a week each. And, and I kind of spread the work between a couple of them. But yeah, I mean, if you think about that's a couple hundred dollars each per person per week. Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's pretty steady business and we're not, obviously not their only clients. So speaking of audio production, tell me about some of the biggest problems that you have to fix in the audio that you get from clients. Is it all pretty clean? Do you feel like it's, it's been, it's worked well for you to just leave that up to the people that you're working with and say, Hey, do your best and then I'll fix whatever I can. Yeah, I wish, I wish. No, so, (laughs) Uh, uh, so it's probably a lot like you see with other uh, clients and other types of clients is uh, for podcasting in particular, if you have two, I'll say seasoned podcasters, either doing a show together that they do normally, the quality is pretty good. Or if they have one person interviewing someone else who is a podcaster, then they have the right tools and they're in the right place. And it's a quiet environment with good internet. Uh, and most people record over Skype like we're doing. Um so the, the fidelity is pretty high, but where you run into trouble is either with new podcasters that don't know what they're doing and don't have good equipment, or the biggest problem I've seen is doing what I, what I would call a live show, where there's two people in front of one microphone, uh-huh. and, uh, and that's the biggest challenge, and I'm sure your, your audience and audio engineers would just cringe at the thought of having to, to try to mix a single channel like that. It, yeah, you're, gets, you, you're automating every second of it yeah, <laughs> to, change, yeah. to fix the volume changes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do when I do it, I, I do my best, and then I send it through kind of an automated tool uh, called Ophonic. I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yeah, I've tested it out. It's it's pretty cool for stuff that you don't uh, have time. I've what I found it good for is for things that I don't have time with, or maybe something that's super long that is kind of maybe just for transcription or, you know, is not like mixing an album or 30 seconds of a commercial. Um, it's, it's great because it's automated. Yeah. 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 So it, it does, something's very good, like sound normalization. I think it does pretty good, but um, yeah, taking out ums and 
pauses and weird things like that. It doesn't do that at all. It just, I think the best thing for me is it, it normalizes the sound. So if I have a couple of channels I can't get exactly right, and I run it through there, it, it cleans it up a fair bit and it doesn't distort too much. So do you ever get anything so bad that you just have to write them back and say, you know, you guys have to do this again? Or is it all, is all acceptable? So I had one recently where there was a fair amount of echoing and it was just the room that this person was in. It was just a big kind of office room that had a fair amount of echo. And th the tool you use has a lot to do with that. So, I mean, I use I use a USB mic for podcasting. I, I would I don't know, ask your take on it. I think it sounds pretty good. I have an um, Audio-Technica ATR2100. And it it's a pretty forgiving mic. But then, like, the Blue Yeti is a very sensitive mic. And so I got this recording from someone and it was just a ton of echoing and no matter what kind of filter I put it through or anything, it, it just was still there. So I, yeah, so I just, just kind of emailed him and said, hey, you know, the first five minutes of this is kind of echoey and it, it throws you off as a listener. And, and it cleared up after that. I'm not sure what they did, but um, yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. What do clients want to see in show notes? Um, I've seen some that are super detailed and include minute-by-minute minute notes and others that are just a paragraph. So what, what do you find that people are asking for? Yeah, it's all over the map, really. I, and it depends on the, the niche that the podcast is in. Uh, for instance, I had a client that we were talking to in the investing space, and they essentially wanted a transcript. And that's not something we currently do. I think if we had someone who really wanted it, we would do it. But it's not something we currently do. I think um, as a consumer of podcasts myself, show notes is all, you know, show notes in the 500 word range is what I'm looking for. Um, but I understand if it's an investing show and they're talking about 30 different stocks and the CEOs of the companies and the trends and the graphs and all this kind of stuff that they want really detailed stuff. So I think it depends on the niche a little bit. For the most part, I would say 80% of the shows want something that is kind of a one-pager at most. For people listening who might be considering starting their own podcast, could you talk about some of the most important elements to consider when launching a show to make sure it gets noticed and picks up some momentum from the beginning? One of the neatest things I've seen recently is a service called Thunderclap. And it's at thunderclap.it. What's that? Yeah, so Thunderclap is a social network aggregator. It's kind of like a, a mega buffer. So it aggregates Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter feeds of people that are supporting your whatever is going to be launching. Say it's a new podcast, but it could it could work for launching a book or a course or a service. And you ask people to support your thing you're going to be releasing in Thunderclap, and they sign up and contribute their social clout to your Thunderclap campaign. And then Thunderclap goes out and aggregates a tweet that you've pre-populated or a Facebook post or a Tumblr post to go out at one time with everyone's following uh, sort of going to be seeing it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's really it's a it's a cool way to you know in my mind I think you know if I launch something else I'd use Thunderclap and then you can you can really start thinking about getting on the trending level on Twitter and things like that if you use a, a good hashtag because those things are just all about the change it's not how popular something is just how how much it's changed recently so yeah so Thunderclap is a really cool thing to aggregate social credibility of your supporters. <laughs> 
did you want to say anything else about launching? You mentioned uh, Thunderclap. Uh, and you talked about audio quality. Is there anything else that has worked well for the shows that you've worked on to really get them going in the beginning? So the the one thing, aside from the obvious of the people doing the show having a big social presence or email list to to, to promote the show to, um, it is actually in the website design, I think, is, is to have uh, a community around the show very quickly, whether that's a, a private Facebook group or an actual membership site built into the show site. I think it's really helpful in creating a kind of a tribal following of the show itself. People get really passionate about something they're involved in, even if it's you know relatively superficial, like a Facebook group that they can just contribute to. But that I've seen that really help a couple of shows recently. That is one of the challenges with audio content like podcasts is that people can't interact with them immediately or sort of like tag a quote like you can pretty easily in blogs for posting something to Twitter. Yeah. There's a there's a couple shows that do live sites. Uh, so Chris Coyer uh, does the Shop Talk show. It's a kind of front-end web development show. Mm-hmm. And they, I think once a month, they do a live show. And I would suppose they do it in something like Google Hangouts mm-hmm. where, people, where people can actually come in and chat and leave comments and stuff it's not live, but it's as they're recording it. Sure. Yeah, but you're right, man. I mean, a big part of podcasting that's a pain for it really becoming a business for a lot of people is off-air engagement, right? So monetizing a podcast is hard enough, but only having a single direction of communication makes it even harder. How often do you listen to Sound Design Live? Um, as much as I can. Once in every two weeks. Almost every time it comes out. Or you even post that on Facebook. You can start supporting Sound Design Live today for as little as $1 at patreon.com slash Live. Craig, what are your recommendations, or maybe you could give me an overview of podcast hosting? Because it seems like the only free option out there is to host the audio on your own site. There's no like Google blog site where you could just start a podcast right now and it could just live there forever for free. So I'm, I'm curious if there are other free options besides your own hosting and what you usually recommend to your clients. Yeah, so I don't I don't know of any free hosting, uh, like you said, aside from your web host or your WordPress site. The problem with that is, depending on the type of host you have, so you get a really popular show and you have 5,000 downloads in a couple of days, sure. you could really get a huge bill from your web host, even if it's like Google or uh, you know Amazon S3. So uh, what I recommend to everybody and what I do is I use Libsyn for my shows. I have two shows, but I, so I use Libsyn for my shows. Um, and the other two that I would recommend are either SoundCloud or Blueberry. And, uh, and the, the, you know, say SoundCloud and Libsyn are pretty similar um, with SoundCloud maybe having an advantage for uh, analytics and the, the design of their player that's embedded on the site. It is um, a better looking player, yeah. I'm a bit of left brain guy, so I just want something that's functional. But um, I think Libsyn has a, a better kind of 
just above entry-level plan. So their $15 plan can get you to a very big show without having to upgrade their plan. I think SoundCloud would start getting more expensive pretty quickly. Ah, because they're based on the demand, like the number mm-hmm. of downloads you're getting. I see. Blueberry is very interesting. One of our customers uses Blueberry. They have great analytics. And one of the interesting things I see with Blueberry is you can upload your media file directly within WordPress. So for me, right in my business, that's great because once I get the show back from our audio engineers, I just take, write the show notes, create the WordPress post, and then upload the, the file right in WordPress instead of going to Libsyn or SoundCloud or Simplecast and uploading it there, doing all the ID3 tagging there as well, and then copying the URL or the tag ID or whatever back into their interface in WordPress. So Blueberry is a little simpler. Again, I think it's a little more expensive for the same do you want to talk about the podcast motor plugin at all? I'm not sure if you're still pursuing that or if you have anything to say about it. Um, yeah, I'll talk about it. It's so so the podcast motor plugin is uh, solves a bit of the pain that I see with our business and, and as a podcaster using a media host like Libsyn, where um, and especially if I use Ophonic that we were talking about before as a, a sort of a media filtering service of. I take the file and it's done in GarageBand or Adobe Audition. I export it as an MP3 file onto my computer. From there, I upload it to, you know, Ophonic, the the media filtering uh, service. It back downloads to my computer again, and then I upload it to Libsyn and tag it. And then I get a link from Libsyn. Then I go back to my WordPress post and validate the link there. And it's just a giant pain in the ass. <laughs> so, so what the plugin, the idea for the plugin is to mimic actually the the functionality of the Blueberry service, where you do everything from within WordPress. And uh, so, okay. and so you would be able to send the file off through Ophonic and then to Libsyn and ID3 tag it right within a WordPress post, and just have it go live automatically when your when your post is scheduled. So, uh, so yeah, so we're, we're kind of doing um, some validation on the concept right now. I think it's a great idea. People I've talked to think it's a great idea, but something with software is when people think it's a great idea, it usually means it's not. <laughs> and so one of the things we've done is we've put up on, on Podcast Motor, if you go to podcastmotor.com slash plugin, you can sign up to, uh, to get the plugin for free when it comes out. And uh, we're going to wait until those 30 slots fill up before we start uh, creating the plugin. And that's just to validate the idea with at least people putting their name in to, to get access to the plugin. Sure. Uh, and, and until then, uh, it's going to remain what I think is a good idea, and I think it's got some real legs. Um, but I don't want to go spend you know a couple thousand dollars on something that is not going to be used. Um, okay, last question, Craig. What are your favorite podcasts? Um, I want to know about the ones that not that you just kind of like or that you really like, but what are the ones that you really can't miss and listen to all the way through? Yeah, so we, we've talked about a couple of them. I, I really, for all for all their you know, sort of pains, I really like James Altucher and uh, Tim Ferriss. I, I think they're they're in inspirational, motivational, but also very educational sometimes. Uh, so those are 
probably two of the the big ones for me. And then in the entrepreneurial kind of startup space, there's a couple that I really like. One is called Startups for the Rest of Us. It's run by two guys that have been doing this in a self-funded software business for a a pretty good amount of time. And uh, they're just kind of real experts at it. Um, So those are the three that I really can't miss. And then the couple that I've started listening to recently, uh, one is by Rich Roll. And he's a uh, kind of ultra marathoner, vegan yoga meditation guy, and and it's just a a cool show because it's a lot of things that I I do some of, but probably aspire to do more of, and just really live a healthy, fulfilling life. Uh, so that's a really good one. And then I listen to a couple of uh, investing in money shows that are, you know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't put them in the camp miss them one, but I definitely have a handful of those that I listen to. Okay, Craig. So we know about podcastmotor.com. Um, is that the place? Is that the best place for people to follow your work, or is there a better place like a Twitter feed or another site where you are writing or talking more about your work? Yeah, so that's the best place to go for podcasting. Uh, you can check out pod, podcastmotor.com. Uh, my personal site is craighewitt.me, and uh, getting a few things up there. A lot about just sort of online business and entrepreneurship. All right, Craig. Well, thanks for being on Sound Design Live. Awesome. Thank you. Sound Design. Thanks to Tom Davis for all of the music in today's podcast. You can find more music from Tom at tomdaviscomposer.com. Tom Davis Composer.